0: Welcome everyone to the SCORE Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Boone, the lead fantasy analyst at the SCORE. That's where you can find all my content, including the SCORE Fantasy Football Draft Kit. But thank you for tuning in today to the final installment of our 2022 position preview series. Just to recap quick. We had the quarterback episode with Jamie Eisenberg of CBS Sports. We brought in my buddy John Paulson, a four for four, to discuss running backs. Then on Wednesday, it was JJ Zacharyson of round.com giving his thoughts on wide receivers. And now we get to bring it home with tight ends. And to help us out with that, got a good friend of the show, Patrick Darty of NBC Sports. He is an OG in terms of the score fantasy football podcast. He was our third guest ever when we kicked things off four or five years ago, and he's been crushing it for a long time over at NBC sports and formerly Roto world. You can follow him on Twitter at Roto Pat, and you get the pleasure of listening to him right here today. Pat, welcome back to the show, dude. It has been a minute since we've jumped on a pod together and I could tell because we were talking a bunch before the show, I kind of had to wrap it up so that we could actually (laughs) record here, but how you doing, man?
1: That's just me. I make everything take longer than it should. And the reason we haven't been on a while is I said I would not come back until I could only talk about tight ends.
0: Yeah, by far the most important (laughs) episode of the year. We kid. I mean, it's a little easier to go through tight ends. It's a a one-off position, right? It's not like going through running backs or receivers where I feel like we could talk for hours. Tight ends, we could probably get through this one pretty quick. You said it'd be
1: five minutes, so. uh.
0: (laughs) Just mention one or two guys and we'll call it a day.
1: Hey, Kronk, he still plays, right?
0: I (laughs) I usually kind of extend these episodes a little bit by having some news off the top, but there hasn't really been that much big news this week. I mean, lots of beat writer speculation. I recommend that people be very careful when they read that stuff. Don't just skim over a headline. Don't just take it as fact automatically. Make sure you click through. Check out the quotes yourself. See the full story. I've said before, that doesn't just apply to fantasy either. That goes for anything. I think there's way too much clickbait out there in the world, but... I suppose we probably should be up front at the beginning here that we're recording this on Thursday. The episode's going to go up on Friday morning, so if we do get something big come out like Deshaun Watson's appeal ruling or uh, an injury in one of the two Thursday night preseason games, that's why we're not talking about it. It is Thursday right now, not Friday.
1: We are kind of like tempting. It has been a slow news week by training camp, standard. unless There's you count be like every day Isaiah Pacheco uh, update. So it does <laughs> sort of seem like, yeah, today's going to be the day where like three starters like tear their ACL or something. Yeah,
0: so. you knock on wood. I had to do that on Wednesday's I'm, episode. I'm, I'm literally saying. knocking on wood. Right there now. hasn't been that many bad injuries yet, and then I immediately was just reaching for any piece of wood in the room <laughs> to try to make sure that we don't jinx ourselves there. So let's just jump into the, the tight end preview then since there's not a lot of news. And I like to start these episodes off by... Getting a feel for your general strategy when it comes to drafting players at that position. So, if you can, without naming specific players, which I know is tough in a one off position <laughs> like tight end, but how are you approaching tight ends this year?
1: Well, in general, my strategy at tight end is you know, if I don't get one of I'm not opposed ever to using, you know, like a. I, I don't, I almost never go like early tight end. Like, I was never one of the guys taking Gronk or Jimmy Graham or Travis Kelsey like in the first or second round. You know, Travis Kelsey, of course, still going in the first or second round. But if I miss out on like the elite tier of tight end, I've always been someone who doesn't mind using like two draft picks on tight ends, which a lot of people do not like to do and do not advise. Uh, but I always kind of liked taking like two late-round flyers on tight ends, just some like, second- or third-year guys the, that I think have a, the potential to kind of make a leap, you know, catch a lot more passes this year. Um, but this year it's really tough because I don't love, like, the the tier of, like, tight end, like, you know, like 9 to 20, basically. It seems like there's just, like, a lot less obvious upside and kind of like the low-end tight end one ranks and, like, mid-range tight end two ranks. And, you know, it's kind of become like a, a trope. Like, oh, tight end's really – it's become like a famous yearly trope. Like, oh, this is the year the tight end's really deep. And, uh, <laughs> like, this year no one is saying that. Because this does not. I mean, and we know that there will, it will deepen. And I just feel like we have very little feel for who's going to, like, pad out, like, the back end of the tight end one ranks and just not seeing nearly as much upside as I do, as I usually do in, like, the tight end, like, 10 to 20 range. So this year I have found myself kind of maybe, like, around, like, the top six or seven, like, with the sixth and seventh. I know you said not to mention the names. Usually being, like, Dalton Schultz and like, TJ Hawkinson. Whereas in the past that might have been a range I skip, I find myself kind of dipping into more like the mid-range tight end one ranks than I usually would this
0: year. Yeah, I'm not opposed to taking two tight ends late. I think maybe one of the reasons why we're not as excited about some of these deeper guys this year isn't that they don't have a chance to sneak into, you know, the back end tight end one range or even the mid end a mid-range tight end one sort of spot there. But it's because those top guys are just that good that you look at everyone else and you go, no one's going to get up into that elite level. Like they just can't compete with those guys near the top. And that's why for me, I actually do normally try to come away with one of those elite guys if I can. And we can spoil it. I mean, Mark Andrews (laughs) finished tight end one last year. Travis Kelsey, who you mentioned, he's been up there near the top for so long now it's really down to, to those two as the elite guys. And then I think there's a third guy that could potentially join that group. And he's another obvious one and Kyle Pitts. So we've essentially spoiled the whole show here. No, we're going to talk about <laughs> breakouts in a second and all that sort of stuff. But for me, I mean, when you look at those elite guys last year, like Andrews and Kelsey, they were scoring three to four points more per game than the next closest tight end. Like that is just such a huge advantage at that position. And if you feel good about, you know, the, the running backs you could get later if you want to go with a hero RB approach and then kind of load up on running backs later, or even receiver. We talked in the receiver show with JJ about how, I mean, there's so many good receivers in those middle rounds, the the second year guys, so many breakout candidates there that you can really hit that position hard in that range if you go tight end early. So, I kind of like to do that at this point. If I don't, if I don't end up with one of them, if I'm in a spot in a snake draft where they're gone before they get back to where I'm picking, then I'm okay with, you know, I can live with waiting a little while and grabbing somebody in the, the later rounds. I think there are a couple guys there that I don't think have that elite upside but who I think could potentially you know, crack the top five maybe or at least be a top seven or eight guy. And we're definitely going to talk about some of them. I think there's guys with some potential. I just think it's very important to say that those guys near the top, it is going to be almost impossible in my mind for anybody to get all the way up into that range.
1: Yeah, I mean, you're right. There's a, the two guys in a tier alone at the top, basically. And I do sort of agree, like, then, like, the second tier then it's maybe a little deeper than usual. I mean, sometimes... It's like you know one guy alone. I mean, sometimes some years Travis Kelsey's in tier by himself at the top. This year it is Kelsey and Andrews, like you said. And this sometimes that second tier is only like one player, whereas this year I think like the secondary, like the guys who could finish, is like the number three tight end is maybe three or four players. Or some years that's only one or two players. So I would say the second like elite tier is a little deeper than usual. But yeah, it's just and like you said, we know people from like. The back from like the 12 to 20 range we know there will be breakouts there i just feel like I, I, I not that i'm ever certain but this year i just feel like way less certain than ever like who those obvious candidates are
0: Yeah, we should also say in terms of strategy that kind of like quarterback, tight end is a position you could potentially stream throughout the year. You could find some guys. I'm more
1: amenable to that this year than I have been some years. I'll say that.
0: Play matchups and sort of use some of those guys that could potentially get decent volume. I think there's a few guys that are even going undrafted right now and I will probably mention them as we go here, but I think there's a couple of those guys who are kind of interesting at the end of drafts or even guys you could get off the waiver wire early in the season. But all right, so first things first, who is the the breakout candidate for you this year? If you are going to try to go later and and find that guy that's going to jump up Who's it for you this season?
1: Does Kyle Pitts even count as a breakout since he kind of I don't think so. I mean the guy
0: came in and had a thousand yards as a rookie, right? I know like the touchdowns weren't there, but like he is so obviously gonna be a a fantastic fantasy player for a long time here. So no, I I am not gonna allow Kyle Pitts for a breakout.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I it's this is another thing where like normally there's like two or three guys I feel like I'm obsessed with and like the tight end like eight to fifteen range, and I just don't feel that way this year and I just feel like the one, like, obvious, like, dot connecting case is Cole Komet, where he could kind of be, like, on that TJ Hawkinson trajectory where he was a high draft pick, not nearly as high of a real-life draft pick as TJ Hawkinson, but he was a high draft pick. Like, had big, kind of, like, big expectations from, like, day one in his career. You know, got off to kind of a slow start in his career. Losing snaps and targets to Jimmy Graham is not a great way to begin your career. Because, you know, we're not talking (laughs) about, like, prime era Jimmy Graham. Like... I took it as a major red flag like while wow, the Bears would still rather target Jimmy Graham than Cole Komet in the red zone
0: huh that like, also uh, might have had something to do with the coaching staff that yeah, was there but <laughs> like,
1: really not season the day there is he huh but I mean the Bears targets need is so 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 acute and we, we have to be careful with that kind of dot connecting like just because a team quote unquote seemingly has to do something doesn't mean they actually will but Cole Komet was already almost at 100 targets last year this feels very difficult to believe he won't get like maybe in like in that 120 target range this year that puts him kind of like in the 75 to 80 catch range. You know, he is a huge target in the red zone. He should be a featured red zone target and just like the team's so low on bodies. I just feel like the dot connecting like volume usage case is the strongest for Cole Komet and I mean, he'd be a basically a mega bust of, as a player if he couldn't get into like that top eight or nine at tight end this year, and he is he's pretty young still. He's only 23 years old, um, so you can kind of – the quote-unquote slow development can also kind of be chalked up. I mean, literally zero touchdowns last year. I mean, that is pretty interesting, Cole.
0: Yeah, but, we mentioned that with Pitts, right? That Pitts yeah. didn't really come through with the <laughs> exactly. touchdowns. Comet was even worse somehow yeah. in that department. Just from
1: a dot-connecting usage perspective, though, I feel like Cole Komet – He's like he's almost like got to take. He took a step forward last year and I feel like he's almost got to take another step forward this year.
0: Yeah, he's the one at the top of my list as well. Just from you look at 60, you know, 60 catches last year, that was 12th among tight ends, 612 yards, 11th among tight ends, and I really think it was just the touchdowns that, you know, that causes people to kind of yeah, overlook him. If he had five touchdowns,
1: the narrative would be totally different on
0: him. Exactly. So. And if he had five touchdowns, that puts him right up in the low end tight end one range, right on that fringe sort of, so I think you hit on all the big points with him. I think he's going to get a, a lot of volume. I mean, he already averaged a 13th most targets per game. It was 5.5 targets per game at his position last year. So... He's a guy that I definitely think could crack the top 10 and if everything went right with him and if the Bears offense is better than we expect, maybe he gets up even higher as well. There's a couple other guys you could look at. I mean, like a David Njoku, he gets the big contract. I know the quarterback situation isn't great, but even if it is Jacoby Brissett, even if Deshaun is out for you know most of the year, if the appeal ends up going through, which maybe like we said by this point, maybe it already has when you're listening to this, but... <laughs> if he's out for a significant portion of the year, Jacoby Brissett might want to throw a little shorter, might want to rely on his tight end. So given him that big contract, I think Njoku could have a nice season. Albert O, somebody else who's you know kind of obvious somebody people have been on all season long. And then Irv Smith, he's got the injury, got hurt last year. Maybe that delayed the breakout for him. And then this season he comes back and now he has to have thumb surgery and he's going to miss a little bit of time here. So Hopefully, once he's healthy in that Vikings passing attack, which I've talked about in previous episodes, volume-wise, they should be throwing more, more of a pass-heavy attack this year. So that could be kind of interesting for Irv Smith as well. What if we look at the opposite side of things? What if we go to guys who you think could let fantasy managers down this year? Who are you avoiding because you think they might be overvalued?
1: Is this too cliche of an answer? And you know, two, things that come cliche in the industry definitely might not be cliche to listeners or viewers um, where like I feel like all summer people have been talking about Do- Dawson Knox as maybe a bus candidate, someone who's just bound to regress. And I just feel I'm, I'm on that train. And he scores nine touchdowns on 71 targets last season. Uh, four tight ends scored nine touchdowns. Two of the four were the aforementioned Mark Andrews and Travis Kelsey. And, you know, they did it on basically double the targets of Dawson Knox. So, like, that might sound good for Dawson Knox and I'm like wow this guy is just a real touchdown scorer but as we know that could just be like extremely fluky and the other guy to score nine touchdowns as a tight end was Hunter Henry where we know like that's like basically his role is to be like a dunker in the red zone and just with Gabriel Davis ascending opposite Stefan Diggs with I think the Bills have upgraded in the slot with the duo of Jameson Crowder and Isaiah McKenzie on Cole Beasley you know they added OJ Howard who O.J. Howard is kind of like David Njoku before David Njoku was, where it seems like every year he should break out and just never kind of does. Yeah. Um, so I'm not sure if we should really consider O.J. Howard to be like a threat to Dawson Knox's touchdown potential or even like his usage up the seam. But it just seems like the touchdown number is so bound to regress for Dawson Knox, and I just don't think it'll be accompanied by like, – you know, I don't think it'll be offset – by an increase in usage, like, I just don't see, like, where the targets, extra targets are going to come from for Dawson Knox, and he just seems like a guy going, like, the tight end, like, you know, 8 to 10, 8 to 11 range, where I just feel like he'll have a difficult time living up to that ADP. I mean, the, the counter case is that he's in an elite offense. He apparently is, like, best friends with Josh Allen, and maybe he is just a touchdown scorer. Maybe he is, like, Hunter Henry, or it's just, like, part of his – he's just a touchdown scorer, you know. He's, like, the first guy they look to in the red zone. But it just I just seems very hard for me to believe that Dawson Knox is not be able to replicate last year's touchdown rate.
0: Yeah, more target competition. Gabe Davis, also a touchdown score. He's gonna be playing more. Like I, I agree with you there that I think it could be tough for Knox. At least, you know, it's a, a higher degree of difficulty for him to get back there because he definitely needs another big touchdown total to do it for sure. For me, I'm gonna go a little higher up the list for my guy that I'm concerned about. It's Darren Waller. And it's not that Darren Waller is going to like fall off the map completely. I I don't think that he's going to...
1: He's not even going to catch any... He's not going to get hurt, but he's not going to catch any (laughs) passes. We heard you loud and clear. clear.
0: Zeros across the board. (laughs) But he's no longer in my mind. And I think you could say this about George Kittle a little bit, that their situations have changed now. They were in that elite category before. They were sort of the de facto number ones in their offenses. And now there's just a bunch more target competition for them as well. When you look at Waller, I mean... They bring in Devontae Adams. That's the obvious thing. Hunter Renfro's still there. He's going to soak up some targets. I just don't think that Waller's going to be a lock to get the 8.3 targets per game that he averaged over the last three years now. He's 146 targets in 2020. He was on pace for 140 last year before the injuries hit. Now with Adams in town, it's just no way that Waller's going to get up into that range. He's entering his age 30 campaign this season. I think he might settle more into the six, seven targets per game range that George Kittle found himself in last season. And if you're hoping, I know some people have said, well, maybe he'll offset it by touchdowns because the offense will be better. They'll have more scoring opportunities. When you look at Waller's career, I mean, he's a guy that's only top three touchdowns in a season once. So it's not like he's some big touchdown scorer, right? (laughs) Like it's kind of crazy. And then when you consider the, the division he's in, and maybe I'm overblowing this a little bit, but the AFC West you look at what he's done against him, he didn't crack 60 yards in any of the four games that he played against the AFC West foes last year. So maybe they got him figured out a little bit. We'll see. I just think at his ADP right now, it's not really worth it to spend up for him because you're not going to get the production that you've been getting the last few years.
1: And yeah, he's someone, he's also, he's turning 30 this year, had some injury issues last year. uh, And just, It seems almost impossible to believe he scored more than three touchdowns at one time, but that is a true statistic. And they're adding Devontae Adams, you know, as like the premier touchdown scoring wide receiver. So not just like the targets that Devontae Adams will devour. I mean, it's not Aaron Rodgers, but I mean, Devontae Adams is like one of the wide receivers, like the true nose for the end zone, one of the true wideouts who relentlessly, like he's always been featured over his tight ends in the red zone. Devonta Adams, like, he's just, like, a a bona fide touchdown scorer. And so, yeah, there's a lot of, like... I mean, Darren Waller's a very good player, so he could smash through these concerns, but there's a lot of legitimate concerns with Darren
0: Waller. And it wouldn't be a bust section if I didn't throw a little dirt on Mike Gusecki. I feel like I do that every yeah. year. But <laughs> I was going to
1: say, I think we just both passed that up because it was too obvious. <laughs>
0: yeah, I always point that one out. Just He's a guy that his biggest games tend to come when other guys are hurt in that offense, and now you have just this supreme target competition showing up the last couple of years, and now with Tyreek there, there's there's just no way Gusecki's going to and- deliver. And I think in the new offense he might not even get as much, you know, an opportunity to play outside as he has in past years. So anyway, yeah, like well, you said Well, that's that the one's thing too. Obvious. Like
1: this is the Shanahan offense. Tight ends have to block and Mike Josecki uh not much of a blocker yeah. last time I checked. So <laughs> not, we don't know if guy. Mike McDaniel will do things exactly the same as Kyle Shanahan, but yeah, it's not a good system to not be able to block as a tight end. All
0: right, we'll keep moving here. We'll go on to a more fun topic, which is sleepers and I've told the past couple of guests Pat that i feel like i lean a little deeper when it comes to the sleeper category because i think there's so much good content out there that it's hard for a guy to be like an actual sleeper now but i still want to leave this one open to interpretation so however you want to qualify a sleeper who is your sleeper tight end and then i'll give mine which is a guy i kind of mentioned earlier a guy that i think could go undrafted in some leagues
1: well that, that you made an interesting point about the industry there like sleepers i feel like don't really exist as a concept anymore like when I first got in the industry in 2009, I mean it was still like the like like the dark ages in terms of, like you could it was you could draft like Arian Foster in like the tenth round like is this the content wasn't that good yet the general public was not as informed whereas like these days there's just like ADPs are like correct like rankings are f- much more correct than they used to be it's so like in general I feel like the concept of a sleeper has like kind of faded away there's no such thing as like Arian Foster like in the tenth round anymore in fantasy drafts, but I, I digress there. I mean, you just, you
0: have to go way deeper with it. That's why yeah. I do it. Right. Cause and I don't, I don't want to put out the article. I remember, I always bring this one up and I'm not going to say who it was, but a few years back when Sony Michelle came out, he was a first round pick and someone had him as a sleeper. And I was like, you can't be a first round pick <laughs> and be a sleeper in fantasy. Like you just can't. And yeah, Sony Michelle didn't have the best career after that, but at the time he was a first round running back. Like everybody was on him at the time.
1: And hey, you know he's still in the league, so it's hard to so it's hard to even call Sony Michelle a bust. He's made it to a second contract.
0: He was good for fantasy last year. Helped yeah, he all was. my teams down the stretch for sure with the Rams. He
1: might be good for fantasy this year? Question mark. Really, it's hope possible. Not. I really <laughs> definitely
0: possible. Anybody can emerge there. I think Ch- this is the wrong episode. Come on, so, that was the running back episode. So tight you end, stick to tight ends, Pat. Your official
1: wording, <laughs> by the way, said sleeping on because I don't want to call this guy a sleeper. But I do feel like people are kind of sleeping on, I mentioned this guy before, Hunter Henry. Uh, where yeah, no, that's he, definitely. Nine touchdowns on 75 targets last year, which I called fluky for Dawson Knox. But for Hunter Henry, you know, I find that to be like very transferable year to year because we know that's always been one of his primary skills. And with this Patriots offense where like things are so unsettled, like roles are so unsettled, you know, they have five or six wide receivers, they have two tight ends, they you have know, three or four running backs, like, It's hard to know, like, just what role is anyone even going to settle into in this offense, where I feel like one thing we know is clearly defined is that Hunter Henry is the primary red zone target, and his usage ticked up kind of big time down the stretch last year. He started much more consistently drawing targets, kind of like the second half of the season, like especially after Thanksgiving, where he was much more consistently in like that six to eight target range, which is, if you're a touchdown scoring tight end, six to eight targets, that's kind of like the sweet spot like you're getting that many looks every week you're kind of like the guy who should score about you know every other week on average and i just think it's a we it's a player with a known skill he's the one set like role in this passing attack i feel like he now has his chemistry down with mac jones and i just think hunter henry we don't because you know why he's almost 30 he's been around forever he's disappointed us a lot in the past so i think people like don't want to treat him as a tight end one but he's like very consistently going and like the tight end 16 to 18 range. And I just feel like he's like a clear low end tight end one to me, Hunter Henry.
0: Yeah. And the big difference between him and Dawson Knox and you kind of touched on it is there's just not the same receiving core in new England. That's going to compete with him. Right. So definitely still has a good shot there. Mine. Like I said, I'm going deeper here. I want it to be crazy. It's not crazy. It's not crazy. We'll talk about, we'll go really deep. I do a super deep sleepers column and I'll, I'll ask you about that next, but no, for my sleeper, I'm going with Austin Hooper. And, yeah, and I feel like
1: the whole Hooper Hurst, by the way, uh, uh, do you know which one's Austin Hooper and which one's Hayden Hurst? Do you know? Uh,
0: <laughs> sorry. Uh, uh, Austin, Austin Hooper is with the Titans these days, shockingly. But I think he's been really like easy to predict over the years. Like when he was with the Falcons and they were throwing so much, and their defense was terrible, and he was getting a lot of volume. It was kind of easy to look at him and say, okay, this guy can put up decent fantasy stats. Then he went to the Browns, he signed that massive contract, and it was pretty obvious that he was going to bust there. They spread the ball around, there was no way he was going to get the same kind of volume. They weren't going to throw the ball as much. Now he goes to the Titans, where they have some decent players in the receiving core. Robert Woods coming back from the torn ACL seems like his recovery is doing well. But will he be ready to go early in the year? You know, how is he going to do on this new team? They got the first rounder, Traylon Burks. What's he going to be able to do this season? He shows up maybe a little out of shape and now he's working his way back. I think he's going to be good, but how long is it going to take for him to become a big part of the offense? And then after that, it's like role players, right? Nick Westbrook, Kena, and you have Kyle Phillips there, like the the rookie who could play out of the slot. Like Those guys aren't overly exciting. I think that could leave a lot of opportunity for Hooper. And once again, it's a volume play. This isn't a talent play. It's completely based on the volume in that offense. But you look at what he's done before, he's been able to do it when he's gotten the target. So I think he's somebody you could look at as someone who could sneak into that low-end, tight-end one range. And you mentioned Hayden Hurst. I mean, he's another one. I'd put him even further down the list for me. But he's another one where I don't think he's going to be consistent in that offense because the receivers they have in Cincy. But what C.J. Uzoma did there, and I think Hurst is a, a better pass catcher than Uzoma. But Uzoma had those big games last year. He had a couple huge games, five for ninety-five and two touchdowns. Had a three for ninety-one and two touchdown game. Like there's going to be weeks where Hurst ends up in the top ten for fantasy tight ends. Just being able to predict those, I think, is going to be a little harder because I don't think his volume is going to be as consistent.
1: Yeah, I mean, with Hurst, it's an offense where Jamar Chase and Tee Higgins have to draw. There's so much defensive attention. Like, times last year, C.J. Ozama was just running wide open down the seam, and that's going to happen again with Hayden Hurst this year. Who, Like you said, I agree. I think he's a more explosive playmaker than C.J. Osama is. So I think Hayden Hurst will definitely be kind of like a preferred streamer this year. It's hard to see him getting in the top 12, but totally agree on Hayden Hurst, just the nature of this offense and what defenses have to account for. He's going to be getting, like, favorable looks. And Austin Hooper I totally agree, too. Like, the target's need is so acute for the Titans. And maybe this is fluky, but it was an offense last year where three tight ends caught at least 14 passes. Michael Pruitt, Anthony Ferkser, and Jeff Swaim. Swaim and Ferkser are both over 30. Like, so in theory, it's an offense that likes to target the seam and just probably has to because they're so low on receiving bodies. Yeah. The, I think yeah, the dot connecting case with Austin Hooper is very, very compelling to me.
0: All right, what if we completely go off the rails? We just said it a second ago. There's super deep sleepers, guys who are to come out of nowhere, maybe be waiver wire pickups during the season and emerge as fantasy options. What tight end do you like for that? I mean, like is a strong word for that um, category. Not that you like <laughs> to come on and be your fantasy starter this year, but like that you think could end up kind of filling that that role that I described.
1: I feel like the Titan or the Titans, I feel like the Panthers really love Tommy Trimble for some reason, and, like, kind of, like, always speak glowingly of Tommy Trimble, and he was a guy who kind of produced a little more as a third-round rookie than expected. A guy who, like, made some big plays, kind of looked like like a strange playmaker, and, like, the Panthers' uh, offense kind of had a reputation of, like, being a deep receiver core because Robbie Anderson had not fallen off yet last year, and we loved Terrace Marshall, but it's really not a deep receiver core. I mean, Robbie Anderson, you know, just, like, looked close to done last year, which, you have to think it'll have to be better this year. But Terrace Marshall is not generating hype. It's not a deep receiver core. I just think... I just the way like Matt Rule talks about Tommy Trimble, he's just someone I've got. I, I'm not drafting him like a normal 12-team, 16-round leagues. But Tommy Trimble's is definitely a name I filed away. Daniel Bellinger, the fourth-round rookie for the Giants, is another name I filed away just because he's like the clear starter, apparently, yeah. for the Giants. And we know, I mean... Maybe Brian Dables gonna have to do things completely different with the Giants. We know he prefers the pass. We know he targeted the seam in Buffalo. I mean, he targeted the seam. I guess maybe that – Josh Allen was targeting the seam. <laughs> but, I mean, D- Daniel Jones is a very, very conservative passer, does not like to throw outside, does not like to throw deep. I could see Daniel Bellinger having, like, a shocking amount of targets this year. So, I, I really did not, like, wake up and plan to stump for Tommy Trimble. But when I looked, like, way off the board – if someone who like, you know, basically doesn't have like an ADP type of thing, he, Tommy Trimble is a name I, I'm filing away.
0: Well, one thing with Tremble, and this goes back to strategy, is if you're trying to find one of these late round or these really deep guys who could emerge, you touched on it. You want to try to find somebody who could be like the one of the top two pass catchers in the offense. And though it seems kind of crazy at the moment, there is opportunity in Carolina where potentially he could become the the number two there if Robbie Anderson keeps falling off and It's just not a deep skill
1: core. We thought it was going to be a deep skill core last year, and it just wasn't, and they did not add to it this year.
0: Yeah, we well, always got to factor into like CMC being healthy and being back. That's so then, a good you know, point. him and, and DJ Moore are <laughs> going to get a lot there. But wouldn't be that shocking for somebody like Tommy Tremble to become the the next guy up in that offense. And then Bellinger for sure a name that people have to start to pay attention to, especially for this stuff. We might be talking more like tight end premium kind of leagues, right? Bellinger going to be a starter as a rookie. Rookies don't normally do that much for fantasy. I mean, Kyle Pitts is sort of just a complete outlier. But I mean, we also had Pat Fryer last year do do some things so we had a couple guys in the last few years maybe actually step up and do something as a rookie I don't know that Bellinger is the same kind of player but uh, a guy who could potentially do it for me for my like really one of my really deep ones I'll stick in New York Tyler Conklin with the Jets Conklin is a guy that were two players that they signed to pretty good contracts one was Zoma the other one was Conklin and I think people know CJ Zoma a little bit better because the Bengals and the Super Bowl run last year but Conklin has kind of quietly put up pretty good stats when he's got an opportunity. When Irv Smith Jr. was hurt last year in Minnesota, Conklin put up the 10th most reception, 61 and the 13th most yards among all tight ends. So kind of a guy that, that could be interesting, getting a lot of buzz out of camp as one of the best performers in the Jets training camp so far. So a guy that is at least trying to separate himself and be the starter there. And I think it is the better pass catching option out of the tight ends they have. And then another one, and it ties into my Waller thing earlier. Another thing that I didn't mention about Darren Waller is the injuries that he's dealt with. He's already been missing some time in camp as well. A little banged up again. Foster Moreau, another one of these guys that's been able to step up when Waller's been out, put up decent stats. And that's one where you don't normally draft you know, insurance policies for tight ends. So you're not going to go out and draft Foster Moreau unless you're in a, a best ball league and you got you know 25 rounds or something. But a guy that could be somebody you're picking up off the waiver wire if Waller goes down, and a guy who could easily, if Waller's out, put up top, you know, ten, top twelve stats.
1: And they were both Foster Moreau and Tyler Conklin are both guys who've always had interesting athletic profiles. Two guys, Evan Silva, my mentor and friend, uh, loved like way ahead of the curve in Dynasty. And yeah, sure, it didn't really pay off for him, but it could now if he's been holding on to them this whole time.
0: I'm you know, not sure if that's a compliment to Evan or if you're no, trying to give him, like, is. a subtle dig. Like, no, it's, it didn't pan it's, out. <laughs> no, I mean, like, it's a kind of like being
1: too right. Like, yeah. knowing these are good players, these are the kind of profiles that will succeed in the NFL. But, like, this, when he got them, when he first, like, kind of put them on his radar, just, like, they were just too buried on the depth chart. But, like, they're guys who have stuck around in the NFL much longer than the average backup. I mean, Tyler Conklin caught 60 passes last year. That's kind of insane. Like, C.J. Ozama, very concerning injury history, over the age of 30. I do think tight end targets, the Jets, they passed way too much last year. They ran, like, way too, like, fast of a pace. This is mostly because they were getting killed the first two-thirds of the season. So they just had no choice. They are always in hurry-up comeback mode. But I know the Jets want to be, like, a more conservative offense for Zach Wilson this year. And Tyler Conklin absolutely is a, a guy who could see, I think, a shocking amount of targets for the Jets.
0: All right. Almost done, Pat. Just a rapid fire section to get through here. So I I mean, I
1: rap, my rapid fire is like, all right, here's a two and a half minute monologue. Uh,
0: uh, it, I, I am the exact same. <laughs> I always feel like when I go on shows that I run long when I'm the guest. So there's no worries. There's no punishment here. If you do go long, you can give a little context if you want. I mean, the the fantasy gods, they're going to take the revenge on you if you yeah, go really. too long. But other than that, it's not a big deal. <laughs> so let's start here with, are you worried about any of the elite tight ends and that they might disappoint this year. So like we said earlier, the Kelsey and Andrews might not deliver on their cost.
1: You said Darren Waller. I mean, Kelsey is like the guy who just, I would say Kelsey, but he's just aging very normally. He doesn't seem like he's an age off a cliff ever. And the guy I'm most concerned about him, like the top four or five probably is George Kittles for reasons that have always existed. I mean, he's kind of got an injury history, he has to block so much in this offense, which you know exposes him to injury. Like he's such an elite blocker. He's such a rugged blocker. And with Trey Lance becoming the starting quarterback, I mean, we know that they're gonna have to like lean on the run, at least to begin the year. And I get to see all stuff that manifested last year, you know, like shockingly few targets, injury issues, and is having to block so much. I get to see those problems becoming more acute for George Kittle this year, a truly elite player as the 49ers like transition their offense.
0: I didn't let you answer Kyle Pitts to the breakout question. I will let you answer Kyle Pitts to this one if you want. Do you see anybody joining that elite tier this year?
1: I mean Kyle Pitt it's like so obvious. It's just the one it's like, do I really think Marcus Mariota is the guy who's gonna take Kyle Pitts to the next level? And you know like the Atlanta Falcons offense is not going to be that difficult to game plan for. I mean you gotta stop Kyle Pitts and you gotta stop Drake London. You know, as a rookie who's not known as like Mr. Separation. Could take him a while to adjust like to figure out how to box out, create space at the NFL level. But I think Kyle Pitts, when you get a thousand yards and what were pretty adverse circumstances last year, I do think Kyle Pitts is gonna join the elite tier. I mean the touchdowns have to come up. Uh the count I, I think he's just kinda like inevitable as like a counting stats guy. Like he's just he's too big he just he's too big to like not catch the ball. Even if he's like triple teamed, uh, I do think I, I feel pretty safe as Kyle Pitts is the tight end three, and I wouldn't not be shocked if Kyle Pitts finished as like the tight end one this year.
0: All right, we talked about Daniel Bellinger a second ago. Which rookie tight end do you think has the best chance to be fantasy relevant this year? If, if Bellinger's obvious, give us another name too that you think could be up there.
1: I mean, I think Greg Dulcich with the Broncos, who's actually one of the highest drafted tight ends, and I love Albert O, but. I'm a Mizzou alum. Albert O went to Mizzou and kind of like the same issues he's had in the pros, he also had Mizzou where he's just had a really tough time staying healthy. Like he's someone who's really hard to count on him appearing in all 17 games. And, you know, there's a first time for everything. Maybe it's been just fluke injuries for him. Maybe we know injury prone is a very fickle, uh, very, very fickle label in a league where everyone's injury prone. You're always one hit away from blowing out your knee or getting your ankle rolled but I just feel like so really good real life draft capital for Greg Dulcich a good pass catching profile and you know the Broncos kind of maybe protecting themselves against an Alberto injury with such a high tight end pick and I I like Greg Dulcich as maybe someone who could uh, see a a pretty surprising amount of targets again the Broncos offense has a reputation for being super deep too but We know Tim Patrick's already hurt. We know KJ Hamler has never really stayed healthy. It could actually be more hurting for targets than people realize. And I just wouldn't be surprised if Greg Dulcich gets a really surprising amount of rookie targets.
0: Yeah. Some of the beat writers even suggested that Dulcich could take on some of the big body Patrick stuff in the offense, right? That even though he's a tight end, he has that profile that he could play outside and give them sort of some receiver looks Uh, out of everyone. Which tight end scares you the most from a durability standpoint?
1: It has to be George Kittle. Just be—it's so much like the Gronk situation, where like he's such an elite blocker. He has to do things that a lot of like his fellow like, elite pass-catching tight ends just don't have to do. And I just think he gets more exposed to injury than like a lot of his compatriots do here at the top. And you know has the injury history to prove it. And so George Kittle's durability—I mean, I, this is obviously not like a surprising answer because he already has durability concerns, but it is Kittle who concerns me the most in that elite tier.
0: And then the big final question, Pat, factoring in ADP, Who's the one tight end who will help lead fantasy managers to a title this season?
1: Ugh, I really hate this answer, but you want me to go
0: first? N- by the way, uh, yeah, you go first. <laughs> all right. Well, I mean, we could say that the, the elite guys are, are obvious that, that Kyle Pitts even is pretty obvious. You got to pay up for all those guys. So if we're going to go a little later, I don't know that we've mentioned this guy yet. I, Dalton Schultz. I would say don't steal my guy. <laughs> no, I wish Schultz? I had gone
1: first. It's Dalton Schultz. How go can for it. be you, Dalton you go Schultz, for first, then.
0: No, you go. I, Dalton Schultz. I mean, it's this is another one that maybe some people could look at it and say that it's obvious just with the the Cowboys' pass catching core and. Amari gone and Michael Gallup, probably not back till the second half of the season, and James Washington out now for two months. Schultz is somebody that has put up pretty decent numbers and they're gonna have to rely on him. I mean, they have we've seen reports on Jalen Tolbert, the rookie, that maybe he could step up early in the season and Noah Brown and Simi Fehoko. And there's there's guys there, but no one that's established other than CeeDee Lamb. And CeeDee Lamb is gonna get everything that he could possibly handle. But you look at Schultz, he's already become kind of an integral part of the passing attack over the last two years, ended both campaigns as a top 12 tight end, averaged the fifth most fantasy points the position last season. So somebody who I think if a Waller, if a Kittle, if those guys kind of take a step back because of their target competition, Schultz is somebody that I think could maybe move up into that top five again.
1: Yeah, I just think it has to be Schultz, who's ADP has stayed reasonable. Like the dot connecting case is very compelling. Like you said, I mean, we're talking about Noah Brown, who, I mean, is not a good player having to get week one targets for the Cowboys. You know, when the whole world wanted Dak Prescott to be targeting Blake Jarwin, he was targeting Dalton Schultz. Like he has like very real chemistry with Dalton Schultz. I mean, the Cowboys love Dalton Schultz. They franchise tagged Dalton Schultz. The targets need is very, very real for the Cowboys. And, He's going as, like, the tight end six or seven. I just don't think his ADP really reflects, like, how many how many targets he's going to get. And I absolutely – Dalton Schultz has been the tight end I've been coming away with by far the most. And, like, when I don't – and so, like, Dalton Schultz is kind of always grouped with TJ Hawkinson. I much prefer Dalton Schultz. And, like, when I come out and don't get one of those top six or seven tight ends, like, Dalton Schultz is, like, the line for me. Like, beyond Dalton Schultz, I am not feeling good about my tight end position in fantasy.
0: And there it is. That is all for today's show. Make sure you're following Pat on Twitter at RotoPat. Make sure you're consuming all his content over at NBC sports. We love having him on. I know it's been interesting watching us both get busier and busier over the last <laughs> couple of years here. It's been harder to find times for us to kind of like
1: a podcast scheduling diva. Like, <laughs> uh, yeah, I can podcast at 3 a.m. Eastern on Saturday nights. Uh, if you're around then, and yeah, it's just, as you know, I'm,
0: I'm bad tough. for it too, especially during the season. I, I, there's like, my schedule is so set during the season. It's hard to fit anything in, but I'm glad we finally got to pod together again, man. Thank you so much for carving out a little bit of time before I know you're heading off to the fantasy football expo in Canton this weekend. So have fun with that.
1: Yeah. It's truly my pleasure. Uh, Oh, I love coming on and you're one of the smartest guys in the industry. One of the people are I They can like, need like a tie-breaking opinion, but like, yeah, I wonder what that old Justin Boone's thinking. Uh, he's got pretty good rankings and, uh, you are you're one of the, the the top dudes in the industry, and really, really appreciate you having me on.
0: Well, that is very nice of you to say. Anything that you're working on, you want to direct people towards before we finish up?
1: Just our draft guide. You know, just a, I, you may have heard we may have, we hired someone in Matthew Berry at our <laughs> website. So come check. You mentioned formerly Roto World. Road to World branding is coming back. Don't ask about it. We should it should have never gone away in the first place. Um, so we're, we're st- obviously still NBC, but. You can call us Roto-World again, basically. And I'm going to have some articles coming up. I have an article coming up in just a day or two about situations we still want more information on this summer, stuff like the Ravens' backfield, stuff like the Cowboys' receiver corps. So check that out. Just always a ton going
0: on at NBC Sports Edge,
1: powered by Roto-World
0: awesome thanks again man hopefully these position preview episodes have been helpful for everyone it's been great having so many awesome guests on to talk about this stuff if you want to go even more in depth you can check out the draft kit over at NBC sports you can check out the score fantasy football draft kit make sure you're bookmarking that one because we update it every single day throughout this month and the first week of september too including with the podcast so we'll be back wednesday with another episode but until then big thanks again to pat Big thanks to everybody out there for listening, and we will see you next time.
1: Said leave on time. My baby said leave on time. Leave on time with me tonight. I said leave on time.